Well, good morning. Welcome, everybody, to our monthly Ag Market Network Cotton broadcast for March the 9th. We welcome all of you here uh, for joining us. We want to first recognize and thank our sponsor, FiberMax Stoneville Seed. Uh, we appreciate them bringing this program to you and all they do for us. Uh, we are uh, uh, we want to remind everybody before we get started. We did a special broadcast from the Mid South Farm and Gin Show last uh, Friday, uh, and it was uh, Dr. O. A. Cleveland and uh, we had Gerald uh, Nieper and Kip Butts with us, and had a special guest join us after we got started. Uh, Joe Nicosia, if you if you would like to, you can go to our website www.agmarketnetwork.net and see that video uh, in its entirety. And I would encourage you to do that because it really was a, a good a good broadcast, very informative. Uh, Gerald Nieper uh, is joining our cotton panel today uh, as our in, in leading our discussion. Uh, Gerald, with uh, yesterday's exports report and yesterday's crop report. And the announcement of trade sanctions yesterday, we've got a lot to talk about. Thanks, thanks for leading us today. Well, thank you, Pat. It's certainly a pleasure to be here. And uh, I started to say it seems like it's only been a week since our last gathering, and, and I, I guess it has been. <laughs> the, uh, you know, what, what makes uh, this different is that uh, USDA did release some, some new numbers yesterday. And uh, I think it had a little bit of something for everyone in there. <clears throat> Um, so it's, it's difficult to know where to start, but uh, one thing I'd like to, to point out is, you know, world area this year is estimated at 33.5 million hectares. That's up 12.9% over a year ago, which, uh, if my records are correct, this is the largest single or double-digit increase uh, that I've got going back to 1960, so a huge increase in, in area year over year. You know, yields were up 1.1%. Um, the uh, uh, at 707 pounds per per acre. Uh, didn't mean to confuse people by moving back and forth between hectares and, and pounds per acre, but uh, I think in pounds per acre. But uh, anyway, um, the uh, 707 pounds is, is, is again, if my records are correct, are about the third highest in history. So that resulted in a crop of almost 122 million bales. 121.9, which is 566,000 bales larger than last month. USDA's uh, U.S. production was adjusted downward uh, by 233,000 bales. Uh, the most recent Jennings report as of March 1st, um, plus the estimate of what is left to be ginned, uh, drove them to make that adjustment. Uh, I'm not sure that I've ever seen an, an estimate of, of left to be ginned this late in the season at, at almost 900,000 bales of cotton, but that's uh, that's what we've got out there. So we could see some further estimates, some further adjustments out there if, if those uh, estimates of 900,000 bales left to be ginned are are well are either low or or high. Um, <clears throat> so if you sit there and you look at 566,000 bales larger in the world. And uh, uh, 233,000 bales smaller uh, in the United States. That means the rest of the world was up almost 800,000 bales. Um, that was a result, really, of, of uh, one sort of surprise out there that we were talking about before our audience came on. 
uh, a big adjustment in, in the Sudan. Um, last month, USDA was carrying uh, Sudan harvested area at uh, 70,000 hectares, and uh, they had a crop of 170,000 bales of cotton. This month, they've got 184,000 hectares and 900,000 bales of cotton. Uh, that's almost like adding another country. They did make some some changes earlier, going back a, a couple of years, but uh, um, the, the nothing so dramatic as that. Uh, I'm not sure what happened there. I checked with both Kotluk and ICAC, and they're both carrying roughly the same estimate as USDA was carrying in February, and, and I'm not sure if... Uh, if, if they've got correct information or they were just depending on USDA. Um, at any rate, uh, as Owe mentioned uh, before we got on, it just it almost sounds like, uh, you know, somebody really hadn't been paying attention to, to Sudan. Uh, I know I hadn't been, so when I saw that number it, it, uh, and I started looking at things, it, it really surprised me. But uh, n- nevertheless, I don't think it's going to have a material impact on, on the fundamental uh, statistics statistics out there um the uh uh you know regardless the increase is, is mildly interesting um world consumption was raised this month up 290,000 bales to uh, 120.8 million bales the best since the 2007 crop year uh, the resulting ending stocks number that was left uh, virtually unchanged to the 88.8 million bales up about 290,000 bales from last month um, however, I think what made the market move yesterday uh, was twofold. Number one, uh, export uh, sales were very good at uh, 300 and uh, let me make sure I've got this number correct, 391,000 bales, 390, almost 393,000 bales when you combine both Upland and Pima bales in there. Um, I don't know that anybody saw that big of a number coming, although uh, I think uh, – Joe Nicosia last Friday sort of intimated that uh, demand is still very, very good, and uh, you might expect to see it, you know, another good number this, this following week. Because uh, we, I know that we continue to get inquiries. I'm sure everyone continues to get inquiries for, uh, for cotton around the world. Shipments were a very, very nice surprise. Upland shipments yesterday were 524,000 bales of, of upland cotton and 27,000 bales of Pima for a total of 551,000. And uh, somebody had sent out a little table that indicated that the 524,000 bales of upland shipments were the best shipments, uh, were the fifth best shipments um, in, uh, in, well, that anybody had had. Uh, noted on a, on a weekly shipments basis. And I imagine if you uh, toss the Pima numbers in there, making a total of 551 would be, uh, would be somewhere in the fourth or fifth best anyway in terms of total shipments in, in one week. Just It's starting to show that uh, either things are, are loosening up or records are catching up, whatever. So I would expect to see, continue to see some, some good shipment numbers going forward. Even with those good sales and shipment numbers, you know, I was a little bit surprised that USDA just barely raised the export estimate from 14.5 uh, uh, million to up to 14.8 million bales. Um, I'm thinking that the reason that they did is even to meet 14.8 million bales, you've got to average shipping, you know, about 360, 65,000 bales a week. 
I think we for the rest of this crop year, which I think we can certainly do. Um, the um, uh, so I, I I would expect to see them continuing to raise that export estimate as we move on further down the road. Um, I think it'll eventually reach somewhere 15.5 to, to 16 million bales, but uh, we're going to have to continue to see very, very good shipment pace as, as we move forward. Um, new crop, uh, new crop uh, export sales were 252,000 bales of upland, 3.3 thousand bales of, of Pima cotton. Uh, that puts uh, new crop sales commitments at 2.4 million bales for this time of year versus only 1.28 million bales this time last year. So we're almost double where we were this time last year in terms of new crop sales. And uh, I think that, with the continued continued dryness in, in Texas, is helping to prop up uh, new crop. And it makes me start wondering, you know, uh, last week I made a comment that I thought new crop could rise as, as long as old crop could pull up uh, uh, new crop. I'm beginning to wonder now if, if new crop is not pushing old crop prices higher. I think uh, I think it's a symbiotic relationship. They're helping each other, but um, I don't really see a, a bottom in this in this or a top in this market anytime soon. Although I think in order to continue to make uh, very very good sales, prices can't get too crazy too soon. Um, you know, I, we're starting to see a lot of resistance in that 86 to 87 cent area. We're certainly seeing good support in the 81 to 82 cent area. So I think for the uh, for the foreseeable future, nearby futures are going to continue to trade in a let's say a range of of, of 82 to, to 86 cents. Um, and uh, Pat, that's uh, that would be just a virtually cover my commentary and if anybody's got any questions or or OA or John or or Kip if you guys would like to make some comments I'd be happy to hear them let's open it up for everybody well I think you did a real good job on that Gerald I was sitting there thinking wow that I'm I'm glad you brought that up there are a couple things I thought I was going to say you managed to cover all that so uh, the things I was talking about there is one thing that you didn't speak about, which wasn't—I mean, it wasn't in the bailiwick of what you were doing—but that—that's uh, an on-call sales position that continues to be pretty large. I—I um, I watched that pretty close. I know everyone does, of course, but the—the uh, the thing that I find interesting on that is that as prices continue to stay at high levels, and that that call position remains large, uh, these yarn prices have to follow uh, not step for step, but they have to move pretty much in, uh, in the same direction as the cotton prices. And to your point that it can't happen too quickly, uh, I don't know that it's happened right now, but it's something I'm watching closely, and we may be to the point that uh, prices will stall or consolidate simply because those yarn prices haven't moved quite as dramatically as has cotton. Now, I do not have, uh, I would love to say that I have a wonderful series on yarn prices, I don't. I have two or three that I watch closely, and then some are sporadic. And I don't know if anyone else has any better information. If you do, please, I'd like to. Uh, I'd like to hear about it today. Uh, I don't know if anybody else is looking at that or has those kind of thoughts about uh, about the market action with the on-call sales. Well, Kip, you're right. In my opinion, as well, that uh, they have to move together. So it's a very short lag. Uh, so it's interesting. I, and Gerald, I didn't receive it in time to really put my head to it like I'm 
should have probably if I'm going to speak publicly about it, but your report yesterday compared <clears throat> on-call sales versus on-call purchases for the last two years. And while there were some similarities, the one thing that struck me, and correct me if you if you have this data in front of you, that uh, as, as I recall, we got a bit of a boost last year from on-call sales uh, in the May contract. But the, the one difference this year is that on-call purchases relative to last year are a lot smaller this year, suggesting to me that the potential for May to be more bullish is certainly there. Uh, now, I may have misread the comparative ratios from last year and this year for the month of May, but uh, uh, to echo again what Kip said is that, uh, you know, we follow these, these on-call sales slash purchases and uh, still continue to be very optimistic and certainly given that there's just not a whole lot of cotton left to uh, to hedge, I think a comment you made last week in Memphis, it's uh, the hedging pressure's gone, so to speak. It's still uh, nine nine to one, isn't it? Well, nine, it's nine point seven to one when you sit there okay. and you look okay. at both the May and the July contracts versus okay. fifteen to two at this time last year. The the big difference yeah. is you have yeah. uh, you have about uh, four hundred twenty thousand bales in, in on call purchases versus two hundred fifteen thousand bales last year in the July contract. So you do have you do have some more selling pressure in July going forward uh this year than than you did last year. But uh, to, you know to offset that, I mean you have uh you know probably you probably have that much more buying to do uh than than you had uh, this time last year. So those those two sort of off, offset each other, but it's still uh you know, it's still a sizable deficit. I mean, when you sit there and you look at uh, 9.7, 10 to 1 ratio of buying to selling, um, that, that's still a large uh, ratio. And, uh, um, you know, I, I would expect uh, on any dips, we're going to continue to see, you know, good support underneath this market. Correct me if I'm wrong. Last year, was there not kind of a slide in, in the month of May that, sort of help the resolution of the whole thing a, a pretty big dip in prices do i remember that correctly that's um, where the discrepancy got resolved a year ago i don't know that we're going to have such a such a big dip this time i don't uh, your memory is better than mine on that in terms of uh, <laughs> or, in terms of a, a specific <laughs> month in terms of a specific uh, month but um you know we did have uh, you know what happened is we had we we had a fairly decent rally, uh, you know, toward the end of March, and that took a, a care of a lot of uh, uh, took care of a lot of selling, and then the prices dipped. The May um, came and, out and and it went down, as I recall. Yeah. Okay. And that's, then that's we had good. that. Uh, I'm sorry, that's pretty good memory, John. I just called up the chart, and yeah, we got a nice dip in there. I thought I remembered it going down, not quite as dramatic as it did, but you may. I'd, I'd have to look back and match up the weeks with the uh, with the on-call sales. But I, I think you're probably right on that because I do recall last year thinking, "Oh, we're running out of time," and uh, that dip probably did clean that up pretty well. I'm sorry, I just happened to look at the chart, so I wanted to confirm that what you were saying was right, John. 
Sorry for the Jerry, interruption. I interrupted you. I'm sorry. Oh, that's a, no, no, no. Not that's uh, that's quite all right. Um, it, it is kind of interesting, you know. Uh, of course, the Chinese uh, uh, currency has, uh, you know, has has really strengthened versus the U.S. dollar. And I think uh, when the numbers first came out, just wanted to point something out is that uh, when you converted their polyester prices to U.S. prices, or into U.S. cents per pound, you were looking at something that was closing in on 66 cents. Um, since that time, uh, the Chinese uh, uh, prices for polyester have fallen. You're still, you know, you're still uh, in that 64 to 65 cent range, though, for polyester prices, and and I think that's very good news, you know, for cotton. That's going to help to uh, to support cotton prices and cotton consumption as we move forward down down the road. There was a statement that. Uh, Joe Nicosia made, and and I'd like to get y'all's feedback on this. When he was talking, he he made the statement about cotton and about demand. He said we think that we're seeing cotton, that cotton is turning the corner. And he was talking about, uh, I guess, versus synthetics and yoga pants and that type thing. Oh wait, what what was your interpretation of what he said? Well, I think that's right. And I think in a, another conversation, he made the comment. He actually. As I understood, he quoted Eddie Jernigan with uh, the saying, the age of cheap polyester is over. Uh, and uh, I'm sure a lot of people have said that uh, Eddie's harped on it and harped on it, uh, more so than anyone I've seen. But uh, I think that's what he was saying, that cotton uh, cotton has a bright, uh, a bright light in front of it. We just need to follow this light here, uh, and we have some excellent opportunities. I think it seems like it was also some comments about, you know, just the, the fact maybe people now are c- catching on to the fact that synthetics versus uh, versus cotton, that, that synthetic is the dirty fiber. And, and I think there was a little bit of comment about that. that maybe there's a greater realization now among consumers. Maybe well, it's just right, and I, that. Gerald pointed that out in the couple, the, the, a couple of weeks ago, and other people have pointed it out in the article in Sourcing Journal. Uh, about uh, about the potential of California to to tax uh, anything with more than 50% polyester, and you're seeing more and more articles about uh, polyester microfiber micro uh, particles being found in fish and in the general water supply, and uh, how many how many of these particles are found just from washing clothes from a simple from a single uh, washing machine load and the uh, basic pollution. That's now a result of polyester. I know last year in New York, Gerald was talking about the, uh, what was being surveyed then as for the uh, amount of uh, polyester plastics that were going into landfills and uh, actually what, Gerald, as I recall, creating a, a land area the size of New York, the largest in New York every year or something of that nature. Yeah, out, out, out in the ocean, um, just uh, it, it's just unbelievable when you see some of these pictures of of this. Uh, I guess they call them gyres, G Y R E or something, where these um, the, the the currents, the ocean currents, um, you know, it, it, it's almost like a, a backwash or something, and, and they they swirl around and they collect all these plastics, and uh, they're just like you know, monstrous floating islands of, of plastics out, out in the ocean. And some people estimate that, you know, maybe as much as, and I'm probably getting this number wrong, but uh, 70,000 tons of plastics are, are floating around out, out in the oceans. You still see some of the greenies talking about, well, we need to recycle the, the Coca-Cola bottles, the plastic uh, Pepsi bottles and those things, and yet 
what we've seen is that where most of that was occurring, uh, Japan, uh, Japan, China was purchasing for import uh, uh, millions of tons of those pop bottles uh, to recycle as polyester fiber for clothing. And now, actually, the Chinese government has basically shut that down because of the pollution that's caused in making that product and the byproducts. So, uh, you know, the, uh, the, uh, that, that idea of saving the environment by those, those green, greeny folks uh, certainly just uh, has proven to be one that was wasting the environment. Well, we're yeah, starting those darn to, in. Excuse me. We're starting to see a bit of a, uh, a worldwide movement to, uh, as far as trying to take care of the environment. Plastic bags have been made illegal in several countries and several areas and, and counties in the United States and so on. So I think from that perspective and, and to Gerald's point, I think when we talk about uh, this plastic, those plastic uh, bags that, you know, you get Target or wherever you, you shop, uh, those get into the, the water system very, very quickly. And one of the things in the uh, uh, gin show I heard about last week was one of the problems of contamination in cotton is uh, plastic bags in the fields. They have to stop, get off the picker to, to pick them up. So um, that's a bigger problem just in lots of different things than we want to want to think about sometimes. We've got a question here about um, in, 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 does anyone have any comment about the, and we know it's early, but the 2018 Farm Bill, have we heard anything that's interesting? I, haven't. I haven't. I really can't speak to it just yet, no. I'm the same way. Don't have anything. Yeah, I mean, other than what we already know about cotton being positioned to have its program once they, whenever they get around to writing it. Talking about 2018, Pat, if I can, just a uh, you know, new crop. Gerald spoke to it. Uh, just, uh, just an awful bullish situation, and uh, fundamental, technically, I mean, you just don't see anything that suggests a downturn. Obviously, we're going to see that, but. Uh, uh, you know, we're we're not going to still not going to see an increase in acreage in the mid south and the southeast. It's just not there. The the ten dollar and a quarter or whatever it is, soybeans is just uh, just the, the financial requirement is not there to invest in soybeans. So it's so much easier to do that than cotton. Uh, I mean, and you know, we if if and we, we while we are looking at seventy eight cents or even eighty cents by the time. We see some harvest. Who knows? But uh, and that's very exciting and should be for this coming season. We still drop back to the deck 2019, deck 2020, and we're still down at 72 cents or 70 cents and this sort of thing. And that's just not enough to get a, a mid south southeast cotton grower excited to go out and spend $700,000 on a on a picker. So we need to, if we could see another year, if we could go out to 2019, get that up above 75 cents, 76 cents, 77 cents, then we could see, uh, we could easily see some significant increase. Well, better not say significant. We could see some strong uh, acreage increase because it would tell growers here, we're looking at three years, two years, four years uh, of seeing prices that, 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 that will pay for a picker. So our big bottleneck as we move into 2018 is harvesting. Uh, uh, you just are not sure you can get it harvested. We used to worry about getting cotton gin, but that's ginning capacity now, always has been. But we are getting short on uh, harvesting capacity. Comments, please. 
And and in a way, you know, it's it's not just the the harvest equipment. I mean, across the board, you know, pr- prices are higher. You know, you you look at these tech fees on cotton seed, and they don't do anything but go higher every year. Um, you look at fertilizer prices, and yeah, they may be down versus the ultimate highs that that we saw way back in 2011 and 12, but uh, they're they're still high. Um, you know, land rents really haven't adjusted to, to the new realities of, of you know, I, I think lower, at least lower cotton prices and, and, and lower, you know, commodity prices in general. Um, and uh, I saw a sign or a, a chart the other day when you sit there and you look at, you know, real prices for for uh, for the grains, I, I think they're at the lowest prices maybe maybe ever or at least in the last 50 years and yet uh um you know uh you know land prices and, and land rents you know truly haven't adjusted to that so you know guys are guys are struggling out there even at these prices so to, to keep to always point to keep guys interested in, in planting cotton you know prices have have to go up Well, it'll be interesting uh, because uh, the the flip side of uh, uh, non-increasing in the mid south and southeast, we've just we've got the situation of first of all we have a different cost structure, but we've got this drought and we've got a high insurance price. So, to me, the question is how how big of an increase are we going to realize in Texas and then Kansas and Oklahoma too? Although they're in a different situation from an insurance standpoint because a lot of that new production. You know, they're working with tea yields and stuff like that. But I think it's going higher, and it'll be in Mother Nature's hands once once all that seed goes in the ground. Um, to me, just there's a lot of uncertainty in what the supply will, what the supply is going to be in the new crop situation. Oh, I, uh, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, we're not too far from a March 31 planning intentions report, and. Uh, I don't know what people's estimates are right now. I'm currently carrying an estimate of 13.6 million acres. That's, you know, essentially a million acres larger than than 2017. Um, and I, I, I would, I would venture to say that most people's estimates would would have to start with a 13. I don't know that anybody's at a 14 number yet, but uh, certainly I think most estimates would have to start at a at a 13. I'd, I'd agree with you. I, it, it it sticks out in my mind. The last time we had, and it, you know, the prices weren't as high as they were in '11. It was a dollar twenty-five insurance price, and the drought of '11 was the worst drought of all time. Nevertheless, the planted acreage, what was reported in March compared to what was measured in June, changed by a million acres to the upside, and it was all it was all an insurance response. I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked if we had something pushing 14 before it's all said and done. Now, but the, but again, that, pure, that that just says it's that's not on that says nothing about what we'll actually harvest when it's all said and done either. Just because it's, I don't know how this drought's going to play out. Well, let's talk about price levels. Um, and yeah, and John, I'll I'll start with you. Uh, as far as old crop or new crop, let's let's give some ranges as to what you think this market could do in cotton as far as price goes. Uh, old crop. I mean, what Gerald said sounds sounds good to me. Uh, I, I, a lot of this stuff has to get resolved with the uh, with the fixations and whatnot. I, I, 
it seems to me there's there's going to be support where the old crop futures are at least in the in the low uh, in the low 80s and it makes sense that there's a point where demand won't support it rising above the upper 80s so what did you say 82 to 86 as a trading range sounds sounds pretty good with december um shoot I, I could see us at 79 or, or 80 the way things have been kind of creeping along, but I'm 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 worried about slipping down to 70 or below if we put a bunch of seed in the ground. And we have a widespread rainfall, uh, and and the market finally digests. Oh, you know, yeah, just like the Cotton Council's annual report, just like USDA's Outlook Forum report. Every balance sheet I've seen is allowing for five million bales of ending stocks in 1819 and unless something improves enough to change that then i don't think 70 cents will hold uh, december okay back to you gerald on new crop you've given us your old crop what, what are your projections for new crop well it, at least until we get some more information uh, um you know the uh, well I said in the near term on, on old crop, you know, 82 to 86 cents. I do think we're, at some point we're going to threaten, if not exceed, 90 cents. I don't know that it'll go much higher than that, but uh, I, I do think we'll do that, which means I, I really think that we're going to threaten, um, you know, probably before, before like John says, maybe you get a, a, a saving rain um, in, in Texas that uh, that – We'll probably run up to around uh, 80 to 82 cents on on new crop, and uh, it could go higher. You know, not only are you getting no rain in, in Texas, uh, Oklahoma, and Kansas, but you're getting these excessive rains. It looks like, you know, in the mid south, and and uh, I don't know how far that puts plantings behind um, in in the mid south and in southeast. Uh, I don't think we're in any danger whatsoever right now of, of, of being behind schedule, but, uh, you know, how long will these rain patterns hold up that uh, will keep guys out of the field? Maybe some cooler temperatures. I haven't really been following the temperatures much uh, lately, OA, um, but uh, certainly the <laughs> you guys have, you got you got more than your fair share of moisture so far, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kip, Kip, what are your projections on prices, old and new? Well, as far as the moisture is concerned, Gerald, you know, we tend to get it all at one time. I wish we could save some of this and get it later in the summer when we're really going to need it. But uh, I, I couldn't agree more about the current crop. I think it's being, uh, and I, I, I'm not going to discount 90 cents at all, uh, particularly if we look at the, uh, the speculative reports. There's a lot of room there. If those guys decide they want to come in and really get long this market, Oway made the point earlier that, uh, the hedging pressure has uh, is certainly a lot less than it was several weeks ago. So if you have a bunch of specs want to come in here and get long, we may have a bit of a problem of folks uh, able to sell it to them pretty easily. So uh, without that uh, that hedging out there, uh, the, the commercial hedging, we can get a nice little spurt in this market, particularly, uh, as Gerald said, in the near term. Uh, and for new crop, that, that, that's a different story. I think uh, Gerald made the point earlier that uh, – he thought old crop was pulling up new. I still think that's the case. I, I don't think new crop, uh, other than his comment of symbiotic type relationship, I think uh, I think that we're still being kind of uh, new crop, uh, current crop rather is the uh, is the game in town. But uh, John made a point about thinking we in the longer term. I mean, we've got a long time for deck to be trading here. 
we got the A index at or around 92 cents. And uh, when you have prices up there, we tend to only talk about the U.S. And granted, it to me, it's <laughs> the most important. But we saw this week that India uh, government is looking to reduce uh, the seed prices for the farmers. Uh, I think they're in a spot where they may, in fact, uh, increase area there. Where while I thought they were going to decrease it, it may still be unchanged. But with prices at 92 cents, we also get a response in the world. So we may get uh, quite a large increase in total uh, world area for cotton. And we may wind up with a little more supply than, than certainly what we're looking at now. We get caught up in the near term. So I do think we can get new crop uh, December up into possibly the, the high, uh, excuse me, the low 80s, certainly the, the, uh, the high 70s, 79, 80 cents is not a lock, but it's uh, it's looking pretty certain as we speak. But we could uh, we get this supply um, that is potential. Uh, we could wind up getting prices at or around uh, 70 cents or so, and, and actually go below that maybe for a short period of time. This demand is real low, and so maybe you don't get it much lower than that. But you could get a, a surprise downturn on this market, particularly with everyone, including myself, pretty bullish on the current crop right now. Okay, OA, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, 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 thank you, Pat. Uh, let me approach it this way, give credit where credit's due. Gerald turned me on to this uh, just the uh, last several days. Uh, the March 12, uh, next week, starts the uh, Chinese State Reserve auction. Now, why is that important? It's new crop. We've got to see that auction continue as it has the past two years in order to to ensure that we'll continue strong, not continue, but continue a strong uh, export demand coming out of China. So that has a lot to say, in my opinion, about new crop. Uh, and I, I, I think demand for cotton, per se, uh, I'm going to get on Gerald's science to the kips at this, this, this point, and I think new crop itself is beginning to stand on its own. Uh, just uh, Gerald's point of we've doubled our excuse yeah we've doubled export sales compared to a year ago for new crop. Uh, I think demand is not strong but exceptionally strong worldwide for cotton. So that's good. That's telling us that we're going to stand alone. Uh, in, in my opinion, it tells me we're that, that deck uh, 18 is is uh, not obviously not standing alone, but it's putting some pressure. Uh, to, to, there is pressure to move higher on its own as opposed to just looking at uh, uh, old crop. But uh, back on Kip's side just for a moment, uh, I said in Memphis, and I'll say it again, despite USDA's carryover level at 5.5 million bales, by the time everything's said and done, it's going to be 4-something. question is whether or not it's going to be 4.2 or 4.8. Uh, the carryover is dropping, and it will it will see yet a substantial decrease. Uh, and that's just my opinion. And if we get it down to 4.2, uh, certainly you know we can make the argument either way. You you've got new crop and old crop both working together to carry the new crop prices higher. Uh, so I. I, I you know, I, I I love Gerald's comment at 90 cents. Uh, uh, I guess I'd, uh, the old bull jumped that fence and he didn't have his back feet high enough. Uh, so it kind of scares me a little bit. Uh, but but we could see that. I mean, it, it, it could be that strong. Uh, 
at the same time, uh, John Robinson talks to the weatherman, and we get that moisture out in West Texas. They've got good subsoil moisture. Uh, if they can just get some moisture to plant that crop, uh, you know, every bit of these prices could be washed away. Uh, so, I, and, and give credit to Nick Sia. Uh, I think we all saw that, but he said it out loud first. Uh, this is a pure weather market. We've got great demand. We've got great exports. We're going to plant big if we can, but this is a weather market. So we've got to spend some time waiting on the weather, man. I like the higher prices, period. Much I don't see 70 cents at all uh, unless you get timely, timely, timely every two-week rains out in West Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, and I certainly don't see that. Uh, thank you. Oh, uh, for that farmer out there, that cotton farmer looking at new crop that has done nothing, uh, no booking, no hedging, no nothing, what, what, what do you tell him? I can't. I, I've, I've talked to my folks. I've got. I'm talking at above seventy eight cents. I'm getting up to thirty percent priced. Above seventy eight cents, which is where we are today. I think you've got to get thirty percent priced. I think you have to. Period. Uh, and then you know maybe we don't. Maybe we go in two cent increments or one and a half cent increments, something like that. Okay. Any other comments about anything from our panel? You know, one thing that it sort of struck me yesterday, and I don't know that I have a good explanation for it, but uh, I was looking at some, some numbers, and, and uh, you know, for the first uh, August through January, uh, U.S. import share into China is uh, 34% um, versus uh, – actually, sorry – I'm wrong on that. Well, yeah, um, versus, you know, under 10%, uh, well, around 10% the, the previous 10 to 15% the previous two to three years. And why did our percentage drop is because, you know, the Indian prices were so low that they were importing a lot of Indian cotton. Um, and you just don't see these huge, you don't see this huge uh, competition from India. Um, now, there's a lot of things that happened in India with, with taxes and movement of cotton and, and everything, but I think, uh, I, I also think that, um, um, you know, the, the people on the ground over there anyway, now maybe they've got a position that they're trying to push, who knows, but, uh, you know, it's still, the, the numbers that, that I see, and I think OACs and, and KIPCs are, uh, you know the the Indian stocks are overstated by you know anywhere from five to seven million bales, and at some point you know I I hope USDA um, FAS uh, you know starts trying to get get their numbers uh, together on that, do a much better accounting on on those stock situation over there. Yeah, I mean, thank you for mentioning. It, excuse me. Go ahead. Go ahead. Excuse me. I'm I was going to say you know wh where do you think we might be? If all of a sudden USDA came out and adjusted Indian stocks by seven million bales, um, <laughs> there's there's, there's there's a reason that you know we're, we're in the 80s right now. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Well, how, how much of it being at 80s is already accounting for USDA being wrong on their numbers? We could get in this, and I, I tend to agree. I think the market is trading a much lower stock number, whether it's India specifically or world generally, than what USDA is showing right now. Um, 
if they confirm that, I think we might get a short-term boost, but I don't know that it does that much simply because I think the market's trading a much lower number anyway. And maybe I've overstated that, and and maybe we will get a big, long bounce, but I think we're already trading a, a lower number whether it shows up in USDA's numbers or not. Well, Chip, I think that's right. I think we are trading a lower number, and I think that's, you know, the, the, the USDA FAS swamp is just... Uh, Sitting there doing nothing uh, because the, 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 I mean you know you, you know if you just pay any attention at all to cotton, well here's a great example. All of a sudden you you take Sudan, uh, the, the 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 great and sovereign state of Louisiana uh, has less acreage than they do, or excuse me, has about the same acreage, and yet they attribute all the changes or essentially the effective changes in the monthly report to 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 the Sudan where that most people don't even look at, and it is important cotton, there's no question about that. Uh, it has some white fly problems and other things, but, uh, you know, and then you take the largest producing country in the world and just pay no attention to it. Uh, and you look at USDA uh, uh, letters or uh, articles or responses to people in India, uh, and they make no sense whatsoever. Uh, so what, it, wh when, and we don't know when or if, USDA is going to make its changes in India, but the day they make those changes in public, uh, the market's going to respond, but Kip could be right. It could be a, just a quick response. It's not long-lived uh, simply because the market's already trading it. But, you know, if they buy into the, the big bullet and lower stock 7 million bales, then the, the, the effect's going to be longer-lasting because probably the market is only trading. And I don't know, I'm pulling this number out of there market's probably trading three to five million bales lower. Uh, and, and you know, y'all's numbers are probably better than mine on that. But uh, who knows where the market's tra trading while it's trying to adjust what USDA simply will not bite the bullet and do. You know, I, I want to uh, uh, correct myself, but we are running a 34% share August through January for 2017 crop year. In 2016 crop year, we're running almost a 35 share, and versus you know 11 percent in 2014, 16 percent in 2014, um, you know uh, 14, 15 percent in 2013 when the Indian production you know really came on. So you know um, I I, th I think there's something to that in 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 the sense that uh, uh, I. I'm, of course, you, uh, India's consumption, you know, increased also, but uh, we're we're just. Uh, I, I think we've got the cotton, and they don't. Or at least we've got the cotton to export, and they don't. Right. Let's let's go ahead and wrap it up here. Uh, we uh, want to thank everybody for joining us today here for the Ag Market Network Cotton Broadcast. Special thanks to Fiber Max Stoneville Seed. Uh, thanks to our cotton panel for being with us today and for Gerald Nieper leading us today. That is, that, con that is it. That concludes our meeting of this edition of the Ag Market Network. Thank you.